I'm Nick Harvey Doyle, an Anawan man from the Northern Tablelands of New South Wales. The Yarn podcast is made on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong people. We'd like to acknowledge First Nations people as the first storytellers. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Yarn. I'm Thomas Phillips. Fires and droughts are only the flashpoints of rising temperatures. Heat-induced health issues, though less conspicuous, are also a risk. Bendigo's socio-economic landscape makes it especially vulnerable to this creeping problem, and its residents are suffering, both physically and mentally. Today, we're bringing you an interview with CADGE student Jerome Depro about his reporting on health and heat. His article was co-published by The Citizen and The Bendigo Advertiser. It's part of an ongoing regional reporting project focused on Greater Bendigo, or Jajawaran country. I started by asking Jerome how Bendigo's population profile differs from the rest of Victoria. Greater Bendigo does have a population, especially in the 65 to 74-year-old age bracket, which is quite large, proportionate to the rest of Victoria. And there also is quite high rates of long-term disease. I think the greatest among those being arthritis, which is obviously a disease of age generally. And as well, the uh, average household income is generally lower than the Victorian average. I think it really does show similar patterns to what is happening in the rest of Victoria and the rest of Australia, but just like more so. So the population is aging even more and age and socioeconomic status, they're predictors of experiencing heat distress or negative effects of climate change generally. And why are older people and lower socioeconomic households more affected by high temperatures than the general population? So I guess it's a pretty like wide ranging question. I spoke to a, a lot of different people and they gave me similar answers, but there's like always little like caveats and different facets as well. I guess the biggest one is that people from low socioeconomic households likely won't have the same access to insulation and cooling as people who are able to pay for those things more readily. And that, you know, is exacerbated by increasing energy prices and just what housing you have access to, I suppose. And that goes, I suppose, double for people that are sleeping rough or experiencing homelessness, you know, because they have obviously no housing generally. And elderly people can be more affected. I think one of the major things is that people over the age of 65 tend to sweat less than younger people. And sweating is like a massive deal for, you know, thermoregulation of the human body. And that's sort of a, a big deal in Bendigo because that age group, the over 65 age group is growing and growing each census date. It gets a little bit larger and proportionally is bigger than it is in the rest of Victoria and Australia. Bendigo residents also have poorer mental health than the rest of Victoria. How does this problem relate to rising heat? So I spoke to a child and adolescent psychiatrist, Dr. Sibel Day, and I think the mental health aspects, it's just like, it's more a case of all the other effects where they converge is mental health in a sense. So if you're not getting appropriate cooling, especially at nighttime, 
And if you're asthma or lung disease or cardiovascular health, anything like that, which is also experienced more among elderly people and low socioeconomic people, or they have less access to the resources to deal with those problems, they sort of combine into worsening mental health. And something as well that a lot of people stressed is nighttime temperatures are rising faster than daytime temperatures generally. And it's the time at night when you should be able to drop back to normal temperatures. So if it's just ambiently above 24 degrees, even at nighttime, there's not really the time for your body to like reset in a sense. And again, that's something that will be made worse if you're sleeping rough or if you don't have access to proper insulation, if you're experiencing really high temperatures 24 hours a day, there's no real time for your brain or your body to like properly reset. Another aspect which contributes to mental health is possible worse working conditions, which can be from irritability of employees or yourself or clients or anything. But it's also, there is some evidence of more like clumsiness, I guess, in higher temperatures, which sounds almost silly. But if you're working in a high stress environment or an environment that is already dangerous, that can make it worse, you know. So despite these setbacks, experts regard Bendigo as a leader in climate change adaptation. How is the city adapting to rising temperatures with vulnerable households in mind? Uh, So I guess a big one is the Bendigo Sustainability Group's Giving Power crowdfunding campaign, which is trying to put solar panels on community houses, um, especially people from low socioeconomic households who wouldn't otherwise have access to that sort of thing. I think Saul Griffiths, he spoke at Bendigo a little while ago, and one of his I guess ideas for how Australia can progress in the future is community-based solar programs. And something like giving power is exactly that. It's it's not just nationalized, federally owned solar, which is obviously a massive component, but also smaller solar panels over all houses that can increase the coverage of solar panels by a lot, essentially. And so Things like this, the Giving Power campaign raised around 50 grand, I think, at this point. And as well from the mental health angle, being able to feel some solidarity or some community or any sort of interpersonal connection at a time of stress like that, I've been told is is the best thing really for it, apart from not experiencing climate change in the first place, I guess. But if you have to, that's how you want to do it. The city of Bendigo is also taking steps to lower temperatures outdoors. Can you tell listeners about urban heat islands and how the city is protecting at-risk residents from them? Yeah, sure. So urban heat islands are areas in cities or any urbanized area where there generally isn't enough vegetation and there is a lot of materials like asphalt which trap heat and then radiate it back, essentially. So on hot days or even not that hot days, it can attract a lot of heat and increase the ambient temperature in the neighborhood or on the street by a lot. So even on, you know, 35-ish degree days, the temperature on the street could be over 40 degrees because of these urban heat islands. And then there's no vegetation to counteract that. And so, yeah, Bendigo City Council has done some tree planting strategies. So they sort of assessed which areas were uh, at risk of becoming urban heat islands. And generally, the areas that they identified were areas that are a bit more low socioeconomic. And then they used that to inform where they would have their trees planted to deal with that. That was Jerome Depro. You can read his article in The Citizen and The Bendigo Advertiser. We've included the links in our show notes. 
Dian is from the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. It's produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. This episode was produced and edited by me. It was mastered by Elliot Rodriguez. Our executive producer is Louisa Lim. I'm Thomas Phillips. See you next week.